0: Get your favorite pair of shoes Oh, I want to know Hi everybody, welcome to another Thinking Pilates podcast. This is episode 27 and uh, I think ultimately it's the third in a thread of a conversation that Deborah Colway and I have been having around discernment in teaching um, choices, making choices about how we teach and how we show up. Uh, and we have two beautiful guests with us today. Uh, first of all, hi, Deborah. Hi, <laughs> Uh So we have Trinity Minty with us, who is the lead mentor for Skillful Teaching. So Trinity and I have known each other for quite some time, and she's been working with me. And um, she lives uh, here in Northern California and has been teaching for, what, five years, Trinity. Yeah. And then working with teachers through skillful teaching for the last two years, I'd say. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, we are also joined by Amanda Ryan, who is the owner of discover happy in Decorah, Iowa. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Mm -hmm. So thank you both for being with us. Um, we are diving into what, what I think will be the final aspect of this conversation Um, The last podcast we had, we were talking about discernment from kind of a a, more of a micro view, a moment to moment kind of awareness of, of making choices of what we, what we teach, how we teach, um, what we say, how we touch Um, really, I think came down to what our priorities were and how those priorities were in alignment with the information or the training we were originally given. And then this process of, of kind of questioning and moving into, um, a more unique understanding for ourselves and and what our priorities have changed and shifted to, but really from a, from a kind of session by session or class by class, you know, moment, uh, to moment perspective or context. And today, we're just broadening the field a little bit to talk about how I think fundamentally it's about how we change as human beings over time. I mean, I, we can't not talk about that, but specifically how we change and we evolve as teachers over time and the moments in which we are required to discern the direction we want to go, or the kind of teacher we want to be. Um, and what that looks like, and and how we can either, you know, Deborah and I were talking about the difference between being compelled uh, to discern and to change, which is a conscious uh, conscious effort. It's a conscious awareness. We make a decision to move in a direction, or sometimes we are propelled uh, to discern and change, and and we end up someplace else, and not not necessarily knowing how we got there or that we had even changed. So. I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation. I hope so. Before we get any deeper, I want to let Trinity and Amanda just um, introduce themselves briefly, say a little bit about kind of where they are in their teaching path, and then I'm going to hand it over to um, Deborah because she has uh, kind of an interesting Valuable insight on this uh, topic that we were we were chatting about earlier. So, Trinity, would you like to jump in and and just say hello to everybody for a moment?
1: Uh, sure. So, I um, have been teaching for I think actually right between four and five years, and I took my training with you and another teacher. And um, since then, I've you know of course tested out and in my PMH. I opened a studio that was lovely and wonderful and beautiful, Um, had it for about a year and a half, and then we have since relocated from where we were living uh, to another area, and so I am uh, currently not teaching with any regularity, Um, and I'm probably in that moment of some uh, substantial discernment, (laughs) and... um, and I've been working with you, like you said, which is such a wonderful opportunity to not only do I get to teach bodies, I get to uh, work with teaching teachers at, you know, at some level. And that is really amazing and wonderful and offers me an excellent opportunity to continue to grow um, for who I am as teacher.
0: mm mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't even occurred to me that you are in a massive, <laughs> massive phase of discernment and change and and redirection, um, which makes me even more excited about your contributions to this conversation because I think you you have you were propelled into
1: this. Uh, yes. When
0: you <laughs> said propelled, I was like, yeah. yeah propelled <laughs> for sure. Uh, into this uh, by no, no choice of your own. And now you are, you are having to really consciously look at what that, what that's going to mean and, and where to go. So, um, wow. Yeah. Just, just, uh, occurred to me. So thank you for being <laughs> here. Um, and, yeah, we'll let Amanda say it a little bit about herself.
1: Well, um, my name is Amanda Ryan, and I own a studio called Discover Happy Pilates Studio, and it will kind of reach its fifth year um, somewhere in the next few months. I started teaching six years ago, um, and I went through the Physical Mind Institute, and um I've, uh, i think i'm at the point now where it's so interesting listening to this because i was thinking is, like as a studio owner i'm discerning like these these bigger like where do we go and, and i'm probably more as chantel knows in the becoming a teacher trainer and and what that means and and how to do it successfully and um but then there's the other part outside of being a studio owner is Discerning how I teach, um, and instruct individuals in my own practice, and, and that's always evolving, you know, as well. So, um, I, I think I'm starting to gear into, like, what exactly it, it means to teach in a more classical Pilates approach. And so, there's, there's a lot of, of, um, change and fun things to evaluate over the past couple of years. and day,
0: day. mhm, mm-hmm. yeah, you are in your own very unique um place of discernment, which I think you know ultimately we could probably bring a, a number of teachers on and and we would all discover uh to our surprise maybe or not uh, that we're at a, we're at a crossroads. I was just having this conversation with another teacher, and she said you know something about being at a crossroads, and I said. It sometimes feels like we're at constant crossroads. We're constantly you know, having to evaluate um, our direction. So n- not sure if that's entirely true, but uh, sometimes it feels really true for me. Deborah and I were chatting before you ladies got on the phone about something, uh, an experience that she's been having, um, and that was kind of leading us to talk about uh, change. Um, and and just the change over time and what that what that looks like. So, Deborah, I'm wondering if you can uh, jump in and share what you were sharing with me uh, a little bit earlier, because I think it makes it makes a really wonderful jumping off point for this conversation.
1: What I had been contemplating before we got on the phone uh, was something I had written down after our last podcast at some point and just sort of put aside. And I went back and looked at my notes, and this is what I had written, which was, I just said, uh, the world is a very big place, and it's time to let go of the idea that any one of us can actually own anything or hang on to our position. And I don't really remember what propelled me or compelled me to to (laughs) write that and you know it's kind of heavy philosophy (laughs) but um the other it i feel strongly and again i know this could be partly the the age that i am because i speak to a lot of people who say you know where is the time going and um life is just seeming to fly by much faster than it used to and uh I feel that. I feel that very definitely. Um, I feel that the world is moving at such a rapid a rapid rate, and we're in it, and we are making decisions, uh, but I think it's curious to just pay for me, that I've been really paying a lot of attention to what I think I have to hang on to um, what I'm really willing to let go of and and kind of why. Hmm. I was saying to you, Shantiel, that if I, you know, unless I actually really look at it, I would say, yeah, I, I you know, by the way, um, Trinity and, and Amanda, I, I've been teaching, I just realized, telling Chantil I've been teaching for 31 years now, this <laughs> right. And um, that's a long time. <laughs> and that's just Pilates because before that, of course, I was teaching dance and other forms of movement, etc. And so inside me, it is a little too revealing in a way mm-hmm. because you hear older people say this kind of thing all the time. But inside me, I kind of feel like I am the same and I've been teaching the same and I just do what I do. Certainly, I've taught in many different environments with a slightly different focus, uh, you know, more clinical, less clinical, more teacher training oriented, etc. But really, when I pay attention, I, I know that I've changed considerably. And, and when I look around at the teachers that I teach with at the Bloody Center, and again, they have too. And even though we, on some level, I feel like we're still teaching the same thing. I know change has occurred. And, and uh, what I'm just contemplating is how to just be interested. I'm just interested in this because we every time Shantel and I have one of these podcasts, you know, obviously we have to acknowledge that what we all hold in common is that we say that we teach Pilates methods. And there's a common thread that binds us that is of interest to all of us. And there's obviously huge discussion on what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we all have that in common, and yet we're constantly talking about the differences. And I was telling Chantil that there's definitely the part of me that, have huge respect in the method as a form, the logic, the clarity, the beauty of it all. And yet my environment and the people that I teach doesn't always, um, you know, it's not always the most beneficial to Teach that form in a way that somebody looking at me from the outside would think that I was teaching that form. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I could do what I do now as well as I do if I hadn't committed the years to the form but I also think that I wouldn't teach the form as well as I do if I wasn't a person who was also very committed to the to a lot of eclecticism as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think it's interesting. I I just think the world is a very obviously a very big place. There's an awful lot going on. If we actually tried to take it all in we I know I would just explode and you know, be a splatter all over the world. And and so I, I um you yeah, I think it's real interesting to talk to people about their choices in terms of training programs, their choices in terms of what inspires them, um, how you ultimately find your own voice as a teacher, and and all of that stuff. But to but also this thing that is important to me is to to let go of the of the ownership over things, and mm. then like my position, and because that feels um, tightening, feels like a tightening. Mm -hmm. And at this point in my life, I'm, I don't, I don't want that.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. So
1: I hope that, I hope that's what you were, were after.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's just about, you know, framing this as a reflection on, um, on change and, and how we, we either recognize it or don't, and how we decide to make, you know, move in the direction of something different or stay the same.
1: Let the people around us change as well. You know, like we, we bind with each other, whether it's in a business situation or a family situation or, you know, whatever the little mini societal groupings that we make, we bind together for certain reasons initially. Um, and then we, I think do each other somewhat of a disservice by not like, when, I don't know, I can feel it sometimes there's resistance that comes up when people around us
0: change. Sure.
1: Like, Hey, wait a second. You're, you're doing that thing you said you would never do. Uh,
0: uh-huh. how am
1: I, and like, how can I trust you?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And then it's like, well, I'll just go with it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it produces the same thing that you were talking about, which is a tightening, right, a, a holding yeah. on. Um, so so one of but the questions... Yeah,
1: Where well, is so again, it's like the same question over and over. How much value is there in the lineage of things, the legacy of things? What is, what is that? And there's that question of discernment. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But what's, what's needed? What is truly of benefit to people at any given time? That's mm-hmm. I think
0: mm-hmm. what I'm interested in. Yeah. Well, and I think from from the perspective that that Trinity and Amanda can contribute to this conversation, it maybe looks like let's just start digging into what some oh, of yeah those...
1: where yeah where are you guys at at your phase? Like, what does this mean to you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, uh, what's your take on it, but also can you, uh, can you identify or share moments of, you know, recognized moments of discernment that you've had in this kind of scope? Um, and what's that look like? Cause one of the things we were talking about briefly was when there's, you know, what it looks like when there's resistance and Deborah just touched on that. Um, and I know from conversations with Trinity that she's kind of in the thick of that. So, you know, Trin, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to, to, to be our first, um, you know, to go first and, and, and to say like, what do you think about all of this? And, you know, can you identify other moments of, of, uh, shift where you've been kind of in, in a big way confronted with, um, Discern discerning, uh, or not, maybe it's more subtle. Like what's your take on it?
1: Well, I, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, one is, you know, maybe, a maybe it's larger, n- not so subtle, like, you know, when you're teaching and you're making your moment to moment decisions and how are you going to teach? And then when you get new information, how do you incorporate your new information into your teaching, especially if you've been teaching it very differently leading up to your new information but where i want to begin is when i first opened my studio i had a conversation with you and which i at the time thought was about pricing how do i how do i price how do i establish what my rates are i lived in an area where i felt like uh, that needed to be taken in consideration it's um I would call it a financially depressed area, and then I wanted to stay inside a professional standard. And so we're having this conversation about what I thought were rates, and you said to me, um, "Well, how do you want to teach?" And at that moment, I thought, "Well, what does that mean? I'm trying to decide what to, <laughs> what to charge people. What? <laughs> you no, know, what? What are you even talking about?" Mm. So I established um, what my classes were going to look like, and I established um my rates and I had a couple of different uh, you know one way to begin and then a couple different places you could go from there and um, I taught that way for about um, almost I think almost a year from opening my studio and then all of a sudden it was like a light switch went off to me because how it was working I was not loving it was, confusing. It was convoluted. People will come and say, how do I get started taking Pilates with you? And I had all these different options for them. And, you know, their eyes are glazing over and they don't wholly understand what I'm saying. And <laughs> so in that moment, it was so clear and simple to me. Oh, this is not how I want to be teaching. And it, and it didn't have anything to do with the rates, but the rates are affected. This, you know, what kind of class are you offering? So from there, I switched everything and I created this beautiful straight line between point A and point B. So um, it worked beautifully. It was it was just lovely. It was exactly how I wanted to be doing it. And um, when, you know, new students would come in and they said, how do I get started? It was this simple explanation. You, you do this and then you do this and we do this. And they could just, Take their intro package, integrate into a class, no, no fussing, or you know more private sessions if that were the case, but mm-hmm. no fussing. So, um, and I think that's what you're talking about. So that was for me a larger kind of a larger discernment that didn't um, that I wasn't wholly aware of when I first was opening my studio and that just it was like a light went on and it was very clear to me that uh what I was doing was not what I wanted to be doing and I wanted to change it in these ways um but it did take some time it wasn't obviously wasn't clear right away Mm -hmm. it was I was looking at I was looking at it from a from somewhere that wasn't It wasn't beneficial. wasn't going to show me the way to that question of how do you want to teach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that that is what came to mind anyway when Deborah was speaking about um, about you know how you about discernment and about um, you know about change and how the people around you, also how the people around you are, um, you know, is it okay with them that you are making this change and then are they going to, you know, have a judgment or something to say about it?
0: Well, that's, that's very interesting. I think, uh, because when Deborah mentioned that relationship, I was not thinking about the relationship of, um, which is ridiculous, right? Student to teacher, or as the studio owner who's making those decisions, obviously, as you change, you're deeply affecting those people who you are teaching. And of course, um, you know, there there's a, a, an impact, and, and sometimes there's a lot of resistance. And I, I've, you know, been in that position, and I've talked to a lot of teachers who are totally paralyzed into staying in a not so great feeling mm-hmm. situation because they are uncomfortable with the potential outcomes of what mm-hmm. you know what effect their changing um will have on you know on their students or the people who come into this studio um yeah it's it's a it's a big one i think like I wonder if you could talk more a little bit about that process of, like it wasn't working, it wasn't working, and you were feeling like it was hindering your teaching or the students' progress. And then, what was the process like? Like, what did you have to get clear about exactly? Well,
1: um, if, like as as far as you know, the the specifics go. Um I was offering two different types of classes, and each type of class I was offering they would have i could i could accommodate different amounts of students and um it was it was just there was no simplicity to it, and that i I want simplicity. I want simplicity uh, in my teaching, and I want simplicity in the structure that I come up with for people to, you know, work with me, and so I just streamlined it, it's one, it's a trio, that's it, that's what I teach, and I have uh, had the capacity to teach on various pieces of equipment and mat work, of course, and so it was sell this piece of equipment, buy this other piece of equipment, you know, take this out, add this in, and then um, it was just you know, I think even in teaching specifically, we can overcomplicate it, we get too wordy, we get um, maybe a little too esoteric with our cueing a a little Mm -hmm. too out there and so really how I, the structure I went to was was a representation of how I want to teach, um, you know, across the board. It's, it's simple, you know, yeah, we're digging in, we're finding the work, we're, you know, having a good time, but it's, it still has lens to simplicity, that straight line between point A and point B, Mm -hmm. not that it's always that way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because life is not that way, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was, It once it was clear, it was very simple, and I did catch some flack <laughs> from, <laughs> sure. from my students. <laughs> not not many, but um, and actually, uh, for the most part, I got lots of positive feedback. But mm-hmm. there's always like the one or two, right, that are mm-hmm. gonna
0: dissenters, gonna not
1: be pleased.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Trina, anyway, I think your, it's your really, question?
1: Interesting, Trinity, what you said about the point A to point B—that it isn't always. But i listening to you is great and clear, by the way, and very clear. And I think that it's this connection. There's always—it's always about making connections. And so once you were able to make the connection between the, um, like the logistics, if you will, of how you were running your studio, mm-hmm. the relationship between that and how you actually want to teach that it was point A to point B. I mean, obviously, things are not entirely linear, but it's the, it's just another connection, and it's really, um, I resonate, if you will, with that very much because I, too, think that sometimes we get way too complicated, whether it's in the queuing or the thought process or whatever. It's fascinating. It's always very fascinating to get very involved. Yes. But people need especially in the beginning, and Chantil and I actually talked about this months and months ago, people do need the clarity. They do need the simplicity. They need to be able to kind of build their own chops before they can handle either having to make some decisions on their own about structure or how they're relating to their own body within the work. And so maybe it's not point A to point C, but it's definitely connection, and there's the discernment piece. I think what you said is a really beautiful um, example of exactly what we're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amanda, what about so you, you? What I was, you? I was
1: gonna say, I was going to say I've been feeling like it, it's also not just what you, you wanted for your studio with simplicity, but it's what you wanted them to get from their experience there because I think that creates a lot more fluidity and and how clients come in and they can talk about it. I mean, it just, it sounds like, I mean, from like the marketing piece too, of like, oh, I went in, it was this simple and this is what we did and you should try it too, you know? (laughs) It just makes it, it makes it very simple all around and and that's the intention that she put out there to, to start creating with, with that challenge.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Amanda? What do you think about all of this? Have you had this experience? I mean, surely you have. And what's it, what's it looked like for you?
1: Uh, I feel like I've had this experience tenfold, right? Got, I've, I've started a Pilates studio in the northeast corner of Iowa. So I mean, that's, that's discerning amongst itself. It's right? <laughs> <That's laughs> a lot to take on. Um, like location and and prices and how do you teach? Where who are who are the people in your immediate community who can understand the concept of Pilates and how do you execute that? And so um, I feel like it, I have been challenged in so many different ways, but just thinking about like the simple like teaching part, it, I think. There's definitely where those you have those moments of thinking, I should be teaching a certain way to this um,
0: community,
1: even though I didn't really want um, to execute my teaching like that. Hmm. So I think over the years, I've been more and more passionately starting to, to delve into and give them the actual... I guess like if you will like the the actual classic work and say there's more to this than clamshells, right? There's more to this than lift up your head and um tight abs and, you know, <laughs> cat and teaser. So there's there's a whole another like level, um and depth and and understanding. So I think that um you know, there's I guess like Getting really, really specific. We we started this um, classic mat class that really just started out with a couple people, and um, the more we got into mat specifically and started weeding out more and more of the props, so we could do the original order. I think there was there was less and less interest, yeah. but the people who continued, um, they came out of it with. Was not just like the physical results, of course, but just a a whole nother, like, beautiful perspective of of what it is to have Pilates in your body. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they actually got that full, whole, wholehearted piece of it because we went through every piece of it. Um, And that was exciting, but I did risk losing some clients. But I was able to step back and make some shifts to what we could do to step them into that, right? Mm-hmm. So then I got this beautiful learning experience of how do you get these clients to step into this type of work. Mm-hmm. Um, it clearly doesn't just happen. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Not for everybody.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. And how did you do that?
1: Um making them work on the equipment. (laughs) Mm So I feel like some of those people shifted to more reformer classes. Um, They stayed within um, one of my classes that I I use, a Pilates stick, so they got a little bit more assistance on the mat um, to build in some of those concepts. But, you know, I think there's... um, Giving them some of the equipment work could start helping them believe in their, their body's ability to take on a little bit more on the mat. Mm-hmm. So, as long as they were kind of able to um, work within their schedules of making a reformer class and then continuing in a, an additional mat class, mm-hmm. they're still doing a great job. They haven't quite worked back into the let's do 34 exercises in under an hour class. But <laughs> But you know, at least they know there's that goal and it's not just walking into the studio and doing their hundreds every time. Mm-hmm. You know? There's there's more to add on to it. There's a bigger piece. And mm-hmm. I think that's exciting. That's mm-hmm. that's something that you're always thinking, how do I challenge my clientele and, and what brings them back? Is it you know, what is making them continue to to come in and practice this with me? Mhm
0: one thing amanda i think is so interesting that we hadn't even talked about which is this moment where you were uh propelled into a way of teaching that was not compelling to you right that these two things were actually wow. at odds and then how do we discern where to put our focus um you know and and where do we where do we put our priorities based on uh, what's at stake. And I think that's really interesting, which kind of brings us to this idea of when we're at a moment where discernment is required, um, as Deborah was touching on earlier, it's like, we can move into it with like, go with the flow, like just go with the flow and see, see where it takes us or, or there's massive resistance and there's turmoil and there's like all of this stuff that can happen. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, cause it's always different, right? That moment of discernment is always going to be a little bit different when we find ourselves kind of standing there going, I'm not sure what to do. Something has to happen here, but I'm not sure how to be with it. Um, Deborah, what do you think about all of this? What Amanda was saying?
1: Well, it's very inspiring, honestly.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't have anything to say right at this moment. <laughs> okay. Uh, do either of you ladies have any anything else? Trinity, I'm kind of interested, and maybe from the both of you, um, interested in what your experience is with the big picture discernment, like Trinity, I'm not sure I'm going to just put you on the spot a little bit and you can decide to, to <laughs> come with me or not. But, you know, in the moment, it's very, there's something going on for you in, in this, you know, you're really having to, to just be with where you are, which is, I think in a, in a big place of not knowing. So what do you like, how does all of this relate to that, to where you are and, and trying to decipher how to, what to move toward, right? Uh,
1: yes, and I, I'm not sure how much you'd like me to divulge <laughs> here.
0: It's totally up to you. Um, anything, I, I'm open. What's that? I'm anything. Up to um, you. So everything. I am
1: living in a new community, and it is uh, very welcomed and lovely, but um, I lost my home and my studio to a wildfire last year. And so I had thought about leaving that area for some time, but it's never made sense for one reason or another. So here we are in this new area, albeit this was not how I wanted to come here, but <laughs> uh, here we are. Yeah. So, so there, there's that piece. That's the piece that really uh, propelled me um, to change everything that I was doing because the choice was taken away. So... Um, I'm interested in helping my family integrate here, so that's my main focus. And in the area I was living before, there wasn't a ton of other Pilates. I think in our whole county we had, I believe, three teachers, including myself. So here I am. Do I open another studio? Do I try to work in somebody else's studio? And of course, I work with you um, for skillful teaching do I focus on that? Do I um, try to do all of those, uh, you know, how do I find the clarity when I feel like I've kind of been, you know, put into a box and then shaken up and then, and then just emptied out somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So, um, yes, that is, that's my current um, experience right now is all discernment. And, What direction do I go here, go from here? I really do feel most like myself when I'm teaching. So I feel Mm. a little untethered at the moment because I'm not teaching with any kind of consistency. I mean, I'm teaching here and there, and I'm teaching in a different capacity, but I'm not actually making the words come out and watching the bodies move and Mm. um, that type of teaching. So how to recreate? How to keep doing what I'm doing but allow it to look differently? Or do I try to recreate exactly what I had there? Is that going to fit in in this community? Um, and, I, and to be honest, I haven't quite landed on, on my exact... On my exact direction, but I'm in the thick of that work right now, mm-hmm. um, trying to discern. It's it's my it's a daily <laughs> daily experience for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, currently. Mm-hmm.
0: There's a lot of stuff. so I
1: think I think that's interesting. Um, it's like coming from the other door, it's like coming in to the conversation from a different door. Yeah, because of Trinity, because. You are not fighting the change um, that I imagine was um, huge to have that happen, mm-hmm. um, and traumatic on some level. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so it's like you're you're not able to really. You can't hang on to structure right now, um, although you did, and yet you're somebody who has said that you value very much clarity and simplicity. And how are you gonna like, sort of how are you gonna do your point A to point B now? You know, and um, but it's very interesting because I think uh, Chantil, one, one of the things that I was trying to grapple with, have been trying to grapple with, is noticing when resistance shows up in the face of change mm-hmm. and how that literally feels. Um, I don't, I don't know, Trinity. You're not, I don't, I don't think you're resisting. I think you're really um, like honestly entering the question and not, and not resisting the, um, the, the you know, the lack of structure. Or the lack. I don't know you. Very well obviously. But um, you know it's just it's different. It's like a different door. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. You know, some that's other a question. good way to that's a good way to look at it. actually it's actually helpful because I do feel open to the change and I do feel that um, or I know that, you know, resistance is futile, but there, it's um that, uh, that, you know, those little little ways of looking at it and little changes in perspective are always helpful for when I do feel very resistant and you know, occasionally a little bitter. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it made me think of too, Deborah, what you said in the beginning of the call about not really owning anything. Yeah. That uh, that kind of tied into when you were speaking in the beginning of the call really made me think about my current situation. And yeah. you know, not just the material aspects of it, but um whatever it was that I had create created before, I, di- I, I, you know, I can't hang on to it any identity. longer. It's not well, it's an identity issue, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean on the one mm-hmm. hand, you know, we love that Shantio says how do you want to teach? Like bam, who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. How do you want to teach? And that that can be some kind of a framework for answering a lot of questions for ourselves. And yet, so um, well, there you are—you're not teaching. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, yeah, but
1: then, but that question doesn't just get asked once. Exactly, I think during the course of our careers as movement teachers, you yeah. know. That's a that's question that you that's can, is yeah. That's that's a question you can ask and and find yourself asking yourself and maybe even you know your colleagues or peers over continually, over and over and over again. How do you want to teach? And it changes, which is uh comforting in a strange way. That it's not gonna just stay exactly the same.
0: Well, you know what's fascinating to me, and then I want to bring it back around to Amanda for a moment, is it, not that this question is like the question, but because I think what happens when we, even when we're not resisting that, not knowing, not having a, not having a clear path in front of us and really having to go through the process of discerning and not knowing is really uncomfortable right? I mean, Uh it can be really uncomfortable, even when we're totally open to it. It's uncomfortable. Uh Um, Uh but what feels kind of exciting is what happens when you ask the question or maybe, and I'm assuming I know that this is true of all really any valuable question, like what kind of, how do I want to teach when I'm not teaching? Right. And Trinity, you have, you have clearly answered that question you know it's come up in other conversations like i want to teach by being involved with my family more integrating them that's my teaching right that's that's mm-hmm. how i'm showing up and being of service and i think that's
1: expression it's your expression
0: yeah that's and the, it's not yeah, it's, it's not tethered being, to how I, are
1: you expressing your, your human self? And does it have to look like you're in a karate studio? Right. No. You know, no. it's, all, it's <laughs> a huge, beautiful question. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I just have to say, I was just reading this article some um, Old Teaching by Kama Children, and she has this comment in there where she said, um, people are more afraid it was a it was a talk on fear there's many of those people are more afraid of uncertainty than they are of physical pain <laughs> you. and mm.
0: uh,
1: you know i just got you know so uh i don't i don't feel i i feel strength coming from Trinity.
0: Amen, sister. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's true.
1: Because you know there's many people who wouldn't start any of the, like, accepting that there's a discernment process and they're challenged. They might just stick with staying, staying within that space because either choice is uncomfortable, really, stepping into something that you know will be better or Thinking, sticking with the the more challenging situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what, what, what from you, Amanda, what do you think about all of this? Like, what's, and, and we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up, ladies, because we made a commitment to ourselves to, to keep, keep, uh, honor our time. So, um, Amanda, do you wanna, do you wanna speak to this kind of bigger idea of discernment? I mean, what comes to mind? from our conversations is this transition for you into teacher, trainer and mentor. Um, but I don't know if there's something else that feels like it's kind of coming up around this larger context.
1: Right. No, I'm that's definitely, it. I think what comes up for me around the, the whole thing is how you, you step into that, that just feels like when how do I make this choice knowing that something needs to change that feels more beneficial that feels like it would put you on your path of teaching or business or whatever it is um I don't know I think that those are some of the most uh, those are the most like beautiful times for you to sit and and figure out like Obviously, there's something not not benefiting you, right? So then you have to dive into that and what that means and what is it. Um, I think looking at that bigger picture, and for me, wanting to create a very like a very um, nurturing studio to the new students. Um, that means that I have to put myself and through and into a lot of interpersonal work as well as like the the external stuff and figuring out how do you run your business for these people to be successful and how do you work on on letting go some of the the things that might happen when you're starting to work with new instructors, like do they stay in your studio, do they leave? What are those, you know, different elements and you, are you okay with whatever class they want to teach, or do you keep telling them what type of class to teach? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I think that like no matter like as long as you know that you're you're headed toward some elements of like Trinity possibly owning a new studio or, or like really calling one home, or um, that might be the story for many of us. But or it, it could be just like. Starting a new element of um, teaching within our practice, I think whatever that is, like you're you're going to make some difficult choices in the in that realm. And there's, I think there's a lot of self-forgiving that has to happen, right, to keep moving forward in that discernment, to knowing that you can you can keep teaching, you can keep being successful, and it's just that that little reflective moment of, oh, that didn't work. Mm-hmm but I think this next choice might, you know, and um, I think it's just—it's good to feel like you're not stuck, too, like in, that you can give yourself enough time to make those choices and evaluate them, but you're not stuck. You don't have to make either one of those choices in that moment. Mm. Yeah. I have a question for the two of you and then Chantil, who's kind of like for me, I'm taking charge of the wrapping up, I guess. Absolutely. But um, how much... It's occurring to me, listening to you two women speak, and I'm so enjoying this. Thank you. um, How much you think that your ability to be these really strong, thoughtful, insightful, wonderful women having this conversation that I hear you having is a result of Training that you've had and that relationship to Pilates, on whatever level it is, you know the whole gamut of way classical, way contemporary, everything in between. Whatever we want to have, do you feel that um, it's actually been your your participation and your your practice and your uh, participation on the path to becoming the becoming the teachers that you are that actually has made a kind of difference in your perspective on life that you can sit there and and talk like this. Because honestly, I think it's, um, I don't know if, I think there was a lot more tightness in the preceding generations around all this. And I really appreciate, I really appreciate listening to you. Was that was, was my quest, Was the actual question clear? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody want to answer? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Trinity. You can go first. Um, I um, uh, I'll try not to get too wordy here. So when I when I've always said that Pilates fell into my lap, which it did. Someone gave me a gift certificate to try it. And, um, I did. I was home with three boys at the time, and you know doing like very heavily into uh, you know being being a caretaker, being a homemaker uh and not that's what I was doing. Pilates uh, helped me to completely reconnect with myself to become more of who I am to better articulate myself to uh give myself that moment to um think about what i actually had to say it it just it crossed over into everything that i was doing i mean everything from taking you know having the hour three days a week to practice control when it's i'm i live in this other world where it really feels like i have none Mm -hmm. so it's 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 permeated into every part of my being and uh, changed so much for me and drew out the pieces of me that are so easily cast aside when you're (laughs) neck deep in children. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it changed things and it helped me to really become more of who I am. And that was, that was even just the beginning of finding the practice in my own body, and then of course uh, going from there, taking the training, and um, you know participating in skillful teaching. You know, like being just somebody in, not just, but being somebody in Chancel's program, and then stepping into that role. And uh, there's an element of trust that has to happen that. Um, even though I am where I am right now, there's more. There's still mm-hmm. more. I can still mm-hmm. dig deeper and make more connections. So, mm-hmm. um, absolutely, this, it really did change my life in all the most amazing, beautiful ways that I didn't even know were possible. Mm. Yeah. How about you, Amanda? Um, I think, for sure, my, my training... Um, affected the way I've developed myself as an instructor and, and made these choices now. Um, and I've talked to Chantil about this a lot, but it was a it was a, a good um, training program but the learning environment just wasn't wasn't something that I would continue returning to and I think that that's what we that's what I needed being in the middle of Iowa with no one else really working at comprehensive Pilates level here. Um, I had lots of questions and moving bodies for the first time. Um, I grew up dancing. And so when I started going through Pilates training, it was just like, it just felt like home. It felt like a lot of the things that Trinity said that you you gain a lot of yourself back, um, in that moment, but I think uh, because because of that and having so many good examples from that part, that point forward um, of how studios have been run or partnerships or classes, like I really, really started to delve into anything after that. I spent six months in the same studio, all 500 hours, so... It, was, um, it felt very sheltered. It felt like I didn't have any other perspective. So I think that definitely is filtered into to how I'm trying to make choices. Plus, being in, in Iowa in a place where there never was a Pilates studio um, before has left, left me with this like blank canvas, like, well, how do you do this? How do you do this here? Um, how do I do it by myself, you know? And and when new people start coming into the studio to teach yoga or something else, it, you know, how did those experiences um, influence my clientele? So I think my training for sure um, made me – made it really – very clear on the path that I want to go to possibly avoid, but the work <laughs> itself, Pilates itself, you know, is, um, so here's my example today. I've had I've had this client work with me for almost two years now, most likely, and she just went to California to hang out with an in-law, and the in-law was really into fitness, like, almost bikini model fitness competition person, so they would do extreme Circuit workouts and things like this, and it's not something she's not familiar with. But she's on a on a good stretch, probably in my studio between two to four times a week. Um, so when we were in the middle of doing like an ab series today, and she's telling me about the circus and yada yada yada, I said, "So did you guys try any Pilates classes?" And she said, "No, no, she's never done it. She she teaches, you know, spin and all these like extreme exertion." exercises and I just said, you know what? She sounds really strong, but I feel like when you avoid things like Pilates, there's a whole different level of strength that you have to tap into, which is really knowing your body and why it does or does not move that way. And those are those are deep things to know about yourself. I mean, those are like very, you know, penetrating and, and and they can either build you up or break you down, and and so I said, you know, she she sounds very strong, but I think the depth of you has more strength because this is what you practice. Um. So I I think that it definitely is where it's where we like it is is my self reflective time. How am I doing? What do I do more of? What am I avoiding? <laughs> You know, things like that. That's what I, I find from my practice. Sorry if that was too wordy and long.
0: <laughs> That's but. great. That was great. <laughs> no,
1: I think I I really, I asked. i got <laughs> great answers. Thank you both. Um, I think you're tapping into uniform development, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to <laughs> end. Yeah,
0: we're just, all set. And I don't
1: want to be um, ungraceful about the ending, so we're going to look to Shantiel to help us with this.
0: Yeah. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to, to dig into this, um, another layer of, you know, what we are, I think, constantly, uh, faced with discernment. Um, and very interesting to think about those ways in which we are compelled or propelled into these moments and how we can be with the uncertainty and the not knowing and how discomfort is not necessarily a bad thing. Right. And, and it's, It can be there even when we're not resistant and it's all juicy and it's all great to be talking about in the context of teaching. And I thank you both for joining us and being so vulnerable and open to this topic and sharing with us. And, um, yeah, Deborah. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I just, I just have this, this like image in my head of things like, um, I don't want to diss any any organizations like, but something like, you know, Chipotle or any of those places where you go and everyone you go to looks the same and they do the same things and (laughs) it's exactly the same. And I was just thinking how, I mean, if I go to Trinity's or I go to Amanda's studio, you know, I know that I'm going to walk in and there's going to be that familiarity that there always is when you go to a Pilates studio anywhere, you kind of feel like, Oh yeah, I know where I am, Mm -hmm. but it's so, but I can, you know, just, I, started, I just was listening to you both and thinking how there would be, it would be wonderful because it would be your expression and your your take and your process. And I really want to end my talking by just telling you, Amanda, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, you know, I studied a lot with the Gentry. And she shared with me that when she felt like she finally came into her own was when she left New York City and went to Santa Fe and was away from the whole kind of modern dance scene uh-huh. um, and found herself, she already was an amazing choreographer, et cetera, but the work that a lot of us will, you know, know of when we think of Eve Gentry, she developed that, you know, out in the boonies.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, ladies. Please. So,
1: um, uh, is it okay I appreciate life? that? I- Say goodbye. Uh, yes, I think I'm we're now. all
0: going to okay. say goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining Cindy us. And Amanda,
1: I'm so happy to talk to you. Shantyel,
0: you're the best. I love it that we Mwah. do All the things that make you sing and tap your little